In September of 2003, Colonial Heights Baptist purchased 38 acres. I trust that you know where the location of that property is. In January of 2004, just a few months later, our our church family voted to to move. We were going to leave that old facility. We were going to move to this location right here. And then in April of 2004, we put together a 20-member project team. This team would be responsible for kind of guiding and leading our family through the process of of, of selling the old facility and dealing with whatever, whatever rental issues might be there with erecting a new facility here and, and the whole process of moving. To prepare that team for that, when they came together, one of the first things I did with them is I, I took them on a trip. I called it a vision tour. We went to three states, uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, here in Virginia, and we looked at churches. We looked at large church campuses I wanted that team to have an opportunity to to see how these campuses were built, how they unfolded. You know, some of us had had opportunities maybe to enter a large church, maybe for a Christmas pageant or something like that, but to really work around it, move around and look in the inner workings and to be able to talk to some of the leadership there about what to expect, what to prepare for, what to be wary of. And we went on that trip. One of the first things that we learned in that trip was that we could pull up to a church still out on the street and we could look at it from a distance and we could almost tell whether they had a master plan or not. What was there an order? Was there a reason? Was there a design to how that property unfolded or was it just kind of grow and build, grow and build, grow and build and then pretty soon it's just all over the place and how do you connect it all together? And that lesson became so big to us that it kind of redirected us. When we, get, when we got back, we didn't launch into building. We ended up launching into a master plan. It, it guided where we went with an architect. We needed an architect that would do master planning services. It changed our calendar by uh, probably close to a year. If you were here at that time, you, you remember that a lot of 2004, a lot of even well into 2005 was about the master plan. Now, obviously, we came to a point where, OK, we knew how the entire 38 acres would unfold and we began to move toward then what would be phase one. I remember being kind of depressed. The master plan was so, so great. Phase one seemed kind of puny. Uh, of course, now that I'm here, it's not that puny, is it? But, you know, if you weren't here at that time, there's a lot of our church family that has probably, if you've you've joined after 2005, has probably never seen the master plan, that we do indeed have a plan for how this entire property would develop. You see a picture of that uh, up here on the screen. Now, to kind of orient yourself to what you're seeing, as you enter the property now, you're seeing about 16 acres that have been cleared, and and this building, this entire structure, is about 80,000 square feet. What you're looking at there with the master plan and our building where you're sitting right now, you see that's kind of in the bottom center and there's just a light line. It's kind of shaped like the Starship Enterprise. Do you see it? It, it, It's a light line with uh, darker lines in the back because those two wings would be expanded uh, to twice their length. And then there's the the concourse here, kind of goes up the hill and you see it heading into the rest of the facility 
up there. What you're looking at there is 350,000 square feet, about 1,600 parking spots, and you see even a, an opportunity, should we ever do that, to even have some ball fields out in the back. So that's the entire 38 acres developed as we dreamed and talked about in 2004 and five. Let's go to the next picture. This is a little bit closer detail of the building. Uh, over here on the left-hand side, yeah, it's the left-hand side over there too. Uh, the left-hand side is the first floor. Uh, the right-hand side is the second floor. You notice a little building on the first floor kind of in the back. That's a, a chapel. Don't know if we'll ever do that, but when we did our master plan, we were just kind of dreaming about everything we might want to do one day on this property. The chapel, of course, would give us an opportunity to have some smaller services, weddings, funerals, and some things like that. Then you come into the main building. You see down at, the, again, the bottom portion of the building is where we are now. You're, you're sitting in, that, in that low, one of those little lines right there. And then the back half, the light blue, that's actually the master plan. So that's double the size it is now, those two wings that go out the back. And then as you move on up the concourse, you move into the, the newer part of the building. You look up in the top right-hand corner on the first floor and you, you see the possibility one day of a gym. Uh, and then, of course, the big piece there is the sanctuary. Uh, this is a multi-purpose room, a fellowship hall. We'd like one day to have the opportunity to build a, a, a permanent sanctuary. That one there, as designed, would hold 3,000 people. Would we build it that big or bigger or smaller? I, you know, time will ultimately tell, but that's, that's kind of how we mapped it out right there. Now, I know that's a lot to take in sitting right here. Uh, these pictures, I've just shown you this one. And uh, the drawing of the full property, we're going to have those on boards out in the concourse for you to be able to look at uh, next Sunday uh, when you come here. We'll leave them out there for several weeks. want people to get a good feel for the entire property developing. Now, you look at that and kind of the obvious question is, well, well when are we going to do all of that? I can confidently tell you today I have no idea. I mean, I mean it. I really have no idea. <laughs> Obviously, there's a variety of factors that will determine what is next and, and how long it takes. People, growth, needs. Uh, the number one condition of what and when happens is the Lord. When he guides us, when he directs us to do something next. You know, I can say this definitively. God led us to do this right here. And he confirmed that leadership over and over and over all during this last four years. So I'm confident when it becomes time to do something again that uh, he'll lead, he'll guide, he'll show us what and how to make that happen. But I do believe it will take a while. It won't all be done. It won't, we won't go from 80 to 350. Uh, it'll be done in stages. But now while I say that, while I say that it'll take a while, uh, we are taking our first step toward the master plan this week. Construction is going to begin again, and it's going to begin out here at this light. Uh, we are going to do the full master plan build out uh, to help our traffic flow situation. What you have now is one lane that comes in, two lanes that go out. Well, we're going to build that so that it's two lanes that come in. There'll actually be a median there so people can turn right and left into the property at the same time. Uh, there's going to be three lanes exiting. And then this road that kind of runs along the side here, uh, basically starting at the corner of the building, that's going to be expanded by a full lane. Again, just to, to help with the flow and everything. Uh, that's going to start, I, I believe, I'm praying, that is actually all going to be done uh, by the time we get to December time we get to the pageant also we're going to be adding right off the corner of this building 
another two to three hundred parking spots. Uh, that's going to be gravel parking spots, which are kind of like the ones right here um, in the back. That probably will not take place until the spring, just because of the time of year we're getting to and, and the difficulties of moving dirt that's cold and wet. So that'll probably be in the spring. And then not a part of the master plan, but responding to the growth we're having, uh, we are going to add four modulars or, or temporary buildings kind of right out the back of this wing. That'll add four classrooms for our adults to help kind of respond to the growth that is taking place back there. And again, next week when you get here, the drawings of, of the lo- what's going to happen at the light and where the parking lot's going to be and those modulars, those will all be on boards out there in the concourse so you can kind of see what is going to be happening. Folks, in the last five, little over five years, our church has now more than doubled in size. I mean, that's my... <laughs> Praise the Lord. That, that is a very unique situation, a very rare situation. We, we have more than doubled in Bible fellowship. We have more than doubled in worship space. The master plan is an attempt to, we, we were seeking the Lord then. The, the master plan is an attempt to keep up with that growth and to know how to respond and, and where we will respond to the Lord. It would be exciting, I think, one day to see that entire master plan built and to see that whole property developed. I think it'd be exciting. I think it'd draw thousands of people uh, to our church. Of course, I say it'd be exciting for people. You know, for some, it wouldn't be so exciting, wouldn't it? You, you probably know some of those people. Maybe you've had a conversation with them. Matter of fact, they look at us now and say, why does anybody need a building that big? Do you know who this person is I'm talking about? I think there's more than one of them. Why'd they spend that much money? Why would it need to be bigger? You know, I've had a lot of conversations with people like that. And I, I, I will tell you, folks, you're not going to say anything that's going to change their attitude and their thoughts. And, and that's fine. They're not necessarily wrong. That's the way they see things. That's the way they look at things. They're, they're not going to understand. But you know what? I do think their question is fair. Well, why did we spend all that money? Why do we have a building this big? And even thinking one day that it might be bigger than this. I mean, is that, is that our goal, just to be big? We're going to be a big, giant behemoth of a building? The church that looks like a mall? Is, is that what our goal is? Absolutely not. Folks, our goal is to impact our community and our world for Jesus Christ. And that statement guides and directs everything we do, every decision that we make. Folks, I believe with all my heart, we sang this morning to impact our community and our world for Christ. We gave this morning to impact our community and our world for Christ. You know, we love each other and we forgive each other so that we keep open the door of opportunity to have the greatest impact on our community and our world for Christ. And we build buildings to impact our community and our world for Christ. That's why we do it. And when we say impact our world, folks, that's not just kind of a a pie in the sky idea, a statement that we put out in front of things. It is a guide to what we do. And we have a very definitive process to move us toward having that impact. I hope you've become familiar with it. We, went, we started the year off talking about this. If you've recently gone through our new members class, you've heard about this. But it's a, it's a 3D process. How are we going to impact our world? By helping them discover, be discipled, and become devoted. 
You see, we want to help people discover who Christ is and what his church is in their lives. And as that discovery begins to take root, then we want to help them grow. We want to help them mature. That's called discipleship. We want them to grow in Christ. We want them to grow in his church. And as that growth matures and begins to bear fruit, we reach the end of the process where they become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And folks, the Bible says that a group of people who are fully devoted to Christ at the very gates of hell cannot stand against that body of people. That's having an impact. That's what we mean when we talk about making a difference, advancing the kingdom of God and doing great destruction to hell. That's why we're building. That's why we're doing what we're doing. I actually believe with the power of God, one person that's fully devoted to following Christ can have an impact. Ten people can have an even greater one. A thousand people even greater still. And 5,000? Boy, it's just hard to even imagine. Well, folks, until God tells me to stop, until he says enough is enough, I'm shooting for 5,000. If he only gives 500, we'll be faithful with 500. But until he says stop, I'm going for 5,000. I want to make the biggest difference, have the biggest impact on this world that God will allow me to have, that God will use me to have. I want our church to go everywhere God wants our church to go and to do everything that God wants Colonial Heights Baptist Church to do. We are going to impact our world for Christ. And our building should say that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, I want people to pull onto our lot and see our buildings and say, my gosh, looks like these people are after the whole planet. We are. That's what God sent us to do. We're after the whole planet. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I, I gave our staff an assignment. I said, I want you to define for me, describe for me your ministry in two years. What does it look like? Yeah, take, for instance, our, our, our children's pastor, Buddy Ham. I said, Buddy, I want you to show me what the children's ministry looks like in two years. What is it doing? What is it not doing? What is it equipping and training and preparing children to do? It, to do whatever it is you think it's going to be doing or not doing. What does that look like in staffing? What does that look like in volunteers? What's it look like on a calendar? What's it look like on a budget? Every staff member has that assignment. We're getting ready in a couple of weeks to go on a staff retreat where we start to, to pull all this together and kind of get our, our plan for this. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I went away to be alone by myself for four days and, and, and to pray and, and to study God's Word and basically to try to get His heart and mind in, in my life for what our church looks like in two years. Now, the staff has the job of thinking very specifically for an area of ministry. I was kind of shooting for more of a, a big picture. And, and as I went on that, I'm thinking, okay, what kind of programming? What kind of calendaring? What kind of budget? What, what is going to be happening? What is it going to look like? And what I came away with was, was quite a bit different. As, I, as a matter of fact, I was had been on really well into my second day. And, and what began to unfold was more of a narrative. And as I was praying and, and reading scripture, God had three verses that kind of became principles for what guided the rest of this time and what the Lord was communicating to me. I'm not saying there are three, you know, these are three verses we're going to have. We're going to call them church verses. I, I'm not saying there are three verses that there are there to build a church theology. I'm just saying there are three verses 
that God really laid heavy on my heart and kind of guided where I went for the rest of that time. And those three verses or the principles that came out of those three verses is number one, I and when I say I, I mean I as pastor, I'm the only one I guess is going to be saying this as a pastor. When I think about where we are in two years, I want to present a church to God that is pure and complete in its devotion to Jesus Christ. That was a principle that became very heavy on on whatever I'm preaching, whatever I'm leading, whatever decisions we're making. It should have the result. It should have the goal of presenting a church that is pure and complete in Christ. The second principle that guided that was, as I was thinking two years out, God reminded me, Randy, whatever you do, you better be thinking that I might return before then. The New Testament commands that when I'm thinking about the church or my wife or my children or my finances, when I'm thinking about what I'm doing today, I better be thinking about Christ returning. Every bit of my life should be prepared for that. So as I was thinking long range, God said, you better be thinking about my return. And the last thing that kind of guided this again was kind of a goal that that whatever's going on in our church family, the result is that it is growing and maturing Christians to the point that their walk with Christ is the most significant thing in their life. Now, I think I wrote that kind of wrong. The most significant thing. Because when you say the most significant, it implies there are other things. So I should say this, that their walk with Christ is the only thing in their life. Well, that's crazy. You got more than one thing in your life. You've got you've got marriage and children and you got a job and and interests and hobbies. No, all of those other things in life. Those are just places I go and walk with Christ. Those are just places where I go and live out who Christ is in my life and seek to follow him. This is what our church should be producing. So with these three principles in mind, what kind of unfolded was uh, was really interesting for me. I I, still got to put some details with it, some calendaring, some budget, some staffing. But it was just kind of a story that ended up getting produced. And what I'd like to do right now, a little bit different from how I normally use this time. I'd like to just read that to you. I I don't want to preach it or embellish it. I just want to share with you kind of what unfolded in in a kind of a four day prayer time and and, and what the Lord produced. And so I want to read that. I I, I pray it won't be boring as I as I read this. But if you would just hang with me for a few moments. In two years, we will be a growing church, having a great impact on our community and our world for Christ. We'll be growing in terms of both people we are reaching and the quality of the walk with Christ we are training them for and inspiring in them. Our church will be used by God to make his name famous. Think of that. Colonial Heights Baptist used to make God's name famous throughout our community and our world. People will be discovering Christ in his church and will want to be discipled and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Our church will be impacting individuals, Families, governments, and culture. There will be an element of the world that will dislike us for this and attack us. Following Christ will be our lives. We will never be the same. And it will be completely worth it. As the body of Christ, we cannot think in terms less than this. For God doesn't call us to any less than this. He will be our greatest joy in our pursuit... He will be our greatest joy in pursuit and we will gladly give everything over to him. Our dreams, 
our families, our relationships, our hurts, our victories, our resources, our time. It will all be laid at his feet for his purposes. People will be awed by our love and our commitment to Christ. We will love each other in our church and go into our world to serve and witness through the stations in life God has us. Our vision is not to be bigger or better or more. It is to be a growing group of people that look like our Savior and are fully useful to Him. And in so doing, draw thousands to Him. We will be our best, give our best, and worship at our best, all for His glory. This will be brought about by discovery. We will help people discover Jesus and His church. We will introduce them to Jesus through sharing the gospel and showing the kindness of God. We will be a church that is constantly aware of the lost and opportunities to tell them who Jesus is and the good news of what he has done for them. We must strive to see witnessing done not just by a faithful few, but a growing body of people who will share their faith and invite people to church. Our programs must be relevant, meet needs, and be done with excellence. Our goal is for people to discover the most significant person in the universe. That cannot be done with any less than our very best. Our church must have a lot of entry points for people to discover Christ in his church and what that means to them. We have great tools in place for this. Bible fellowship, Awana, youth programs, the pageant. But we must continually evaluate if they're actually inviting people in to discover and what it is they are discovering. We should see worship attendance grow as this is one of our largest entry points. This will stress out the size of our building and our schedule. This will be one of many places we will simply need God to do the impossible. Worship attendance should be averaging well over 2,100 by the fall of 2010 and Bible fellowship over 1,400. That represents only 10% growth over the next two years. Discipleship. This will be brought about by discipleship. We must be a church where people can grow and mature. That means they can grow in their faith, live their faith, and defend the faith. Bible fellowship is our primary place for that. It is the first level. It is broad, but not deep. We are doing well at first level. We have a need to get better at the deeper levels that bring about the ability to defend the faith, live out the faith. And grow in the faith. We need more opportunities to go deeper in relationships, ministry, and theology. Discipleship classes are a way. Small groups inside of Bible fellowship can be a way. Mission trips, evangelism training, and Crestos events can be more opportunities to be trained and inspired. We have pieces there, but must be more intentional in moving people deeper. This will be brought about by devotion. We must model following Christ and hold that up clearly as the expectation. We have a strong core in our church that has done so much out of genuine love for the Lord. The core has grown, but it must get larger in proportion to the church. Moving toward fully devoted followers needs to be the ordinary, not the extraordinary. It will take prayer, fasting, and living greatly for Him. This will result in, number one, Children and youth ministries that are significantly training our young people to stand for Christ in their world. We must see this as an army preparing for battle. We'll have fun 
and it will be a place they are excited to come and bring friends. But they are preparing for a a battle. The world is absolutely against our children and youth arriving at adulthood with a faith in Christ, sexually pure, and believing in absolute truth. Number two, this will result in adult ministries that are helping people grow in their faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's helping them radically and relevantly apply their faith to their marriage, their parenting, their single life, their vocation, their decisions. It will result in more people involved in Bible fellowship because they want to learn and be involved in significant Christian relationships and ministry. It will result in more people interested in doing missions. Christ told us to go. He never once told the world to come to us. We will have within two years a yearly missions conference to train, inspire, and send people. In two years, we will have in place three to four mission projects in our area, one to two mission projects in our nation, one to two mission projects internationally. This will result in uh, seeing more people trained in evangelism. It will result in people living for Christ in every area of their life. And as a result, listen to this, and as a result, they impact every area of their life for Christ, which just opens up more and more opportunity for the church and lastly this will result in the church where a church where most people pull off the campus every Sunday and they are thinking about where and how God will use them to have an impact for him in that week ahead now folks all things being equal I'd rather have 5,000 people pulling off the lot with that thought than 500 let me say it again if God gives us 500 or 50 then we'll seek to be faithful with that. But until he says to stop, I'm shooting for, I'm praying for, I'm working for, I'm building for 5,000 people that will go into tens of thousands of places in every single week to have an impact for Jesus Christ. That's why we have the size building we have. That's why, should God lead and bless and direct, we will have even bigger than that. Let me ask you a question. What role will you play in that picture? Will you be on this team? Is your life going to be guided by the thought of seeing God's kingdom and glory advanced? Is your life going to be guided by the thought of the gospel of Jesus Christ going into the whole world, beginning with every place I go in this week ahead? You know, as we leave here this morning and you go out there to the concourse, that's what every one of those tables represents. Everything in our church, everything on our calendar, everything in our budget falls under discovery, discipleship, or devotion. And out at those tables is a place where every member of the church can take a step in discovering who Christ is. Can take a step in discovering what the church is and what it's to be in my life and what I'm to be in the church, the body of Jesus Christ. Out of those tables is a place where you can take steps to be discipled, to grow and to mature and to develop in your faith, whether it's in knowledge or in practice or in serving. What's represented at those tables is places for fully devoted followers of Christ to come full circle and become a part of helping people discover, become a part of helping people be discipled. Will you play your role? You know what's incredible, folks? You can make a difference. 
you can do things that count for all eternity. Stop thinking small and stop thinking there's something about your life that means God is done with you. Because God is big and by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and your faith in that, He's not done with you. And because of that, everything, everything that you and I do can be something that counts for eternity. Can be something that helps somebody else discover or be disciple or come to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Will you go out to those tables with that mindset and mentality? Let me tell you something we don't do here, folks. We don't hand out sign-up lists and beg somebody to fill a spot. I have got no need for that. No, what's at those tables is an opportunity to serve the living God in a way that you get rewarded, in a way that you get blessed. What's at those tables is your opportunity to be a part of what God is doing at Colonial Heights Baptist Church. And it's awesome. It is awesome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you give us just such an opportunity God, would you let us live and breathe and worship and relate in such a way that your power, your presence, your Holy Spirit flows through our lives and we begin to impact places and people and situations for all eternity. God, could Colonial Heights Baptist be a place that is training thousands upon thousands of people to be a part of seeing the kingdom of God advanced and the glory of God made known throughout this world. Use us, God. Let us see the worthiness of this. Let us give our whole lives to it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.